You're listening to the Terry Ferranich Team Overtime Open Line. Now, live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. And a blocker save made by Markstrom, who's really getting peppered here in the later going. Two minutes to play in the hockey game. Sekra to McDavid on the right half boards. Dishes, Hall, one touch, wrist shot, score! Leon Dreisaitl, power play goal, 6-2 Oilers in the Rexall finale. That would be the final score tonight. That was the final goal in this building. Leon Dreisaitl to make it 6-2. Patrick Maroon scored twice. Taylor Hall and Connor McDavid each had a goal and two assists as the Oilers pull away from the Canucks. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, Terry Pranich, overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. We have some time to hear from you, 780-496-0063. You can also text us to 630-630. The uh, ceremony to... Uh, Commemorate the Oilers' final game, just uh, wrapping up with some video and some of the banners coming down. Rob, first of all, the, the, the hockey game itself, I guess, if we can separate it a little bit from, uh, from what went on this evening into, or, or from the, uh, the, the final game stuff. It, it was a game where I thought as it went on, the Oilers' best players asserted themselves, and, and quite frankly, the Oilers were better at finishing chances. Well, they were. We we knew before the game that if the the Oilers wanted to go out in, on a good note and wanted to send the fans home happy, happy, their best players had to be their best players, and uh, they were. And, and the effort, and the emotion, and the intensity, the energy, the things that they didn't have the other night against the the Calgary Flames, they brought tonight. And it didn't start that way. The, the Oilers started slow. And we, you talked to Jordan uh, Eberle after the first period. And he said they, they, they found a way, they felt themselves into the game, and then they, they got her going. That's one of the problems that this team has had over the last number of years is they, they start slow. They see how the game's going to go, and then they start to move towards the way they have to play. And it, it didn't cost them the t tonight. Uh, they were able to get their feet going, and eventually they were just a better skilled team than the Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver had the Sedins, and that's about it. And the Oilers' best players played very well. They got the timely saves from Talbot early and then took advantage of their chances as the game went on. By the way, we are looking for somebody to finish the play tonight at 780-496-0063. So uh, we look forward to... Uh to having somebody do that. Uh, the players gathering on the uh, carpet that was set up around the center ice face-off circle and uh, saluting the crowd all with sticks and some fireworks inside and outside of Rexall Place as uh, we put a cap around the 42-year history of this building. And now the players are filing off the ice. All right, uh, continue some thoughts about the game as well. Uh, Todd McClellan spoke after the conclusion of this game. Let's hear the post-game comments from the Oilers head coach. We don't have Todd yet? Okay, we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye out for that then. Do we, have, uh, do we have the Taylor Hall stuff, Kellen? Okay. All right. Well, uh, we will uh, keep an eye out for that. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's bring in the... Uh, you know what, Kellen? You, you should have Todd McClellan if you check back about half an hour. Um, so uh, while he digs that up, uh, Rob and I will continue on the game here. I thought, you know, McDavid clearly asserted himself at times tonight, drawing the penalty and then scoring the power play goal. He was good. A uh, number of good opportunities. Yeah, I think he had three points tonight. Easily could have had six or seven. The, the power play, which we have seen this year sputter at times, and a power play that should be better, was was instrumental tonight in the win, and and it was all on the back of Connor McDavid. 
He's the brain on the power play, the one that everything goes through tonight. He had it going. And we talked right after the game that Jordan Evely easily could have had you know, four or five goals tonight, and a lot of those were setups from Connor McDavid. So McDavid was very, very good tonight. The skilled players, the star players of the Oilers are very good. And tonight they capitalized on their chances, and because of that they were able to score six in a 6-2 win. Oilers will be back at it on Saturday night when they visit the Vancouver Canucks. That'll be the final game of the season for the Edmonton Oilers as uh, they have not lost in regulation time to Vancouver this season. They got uh, an overtime win, an overtime loss, and now these last two wins here at uh, Rexall Place. The, the Canucks, uh, you know, a, a struggling team. They actually were shut out three games in a row, including one against Edmonton. They they came back with three straight wins coming in to tonight. But you know these are these are two teams with a lot of question marks that are probably thinking you know there's nowhere to go but up next year. Well, the, I, I think that if they're at the starting eights, the Oilers are going to have a head start. I mean, they got a goaltender they know that is their number one guy. They've got Connor McDavid uh, up front. They've got some very good young players and a nurse and a dry sidle. And then they've got all the assets. Now, which ones are going to be back? I don't know. But you start talking about the Halls, the Nugent Hopkins, the Eberleys. So the Oilers are ahead of the Canucks. The Canucks are in an area where do they completely dismantle? And if they do, that means moving the Sedins, which could be next to impossible because they have to go together and they're worth about six and a half, seven million each. So you've got to find a team that's going to take 14, 50 million. And that's probably not going to happen. And they're just not strong enough to be able to rebuild quickly. So they're in, a, they're in a very, very tough spot. And of all the teams in the National Hockey League, and I know there's been a lot of articles written lately about which teams uh, have the best chance of making the playoffs from the Canadian teams going forward. I think, unfortunately, the Canucks are at the bottom of that list. Just simply, they've got too many question marks. And I don't know if they're able to have a complete rebuild as long as they've got the two Sedins. And the Sedins are Hall of Famers, great, great hockey mm -hmm. players, but I just don't know if they've got enough around them right now to get them back to where they need to be. All right, 10-16, Terry Prandich, overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Centre. Oilers win 6-2, back in a couple of minutes. Live from the Cabela's Broadcast Centre, this is the Terry Prandich team overtime open line. On Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chad. Oilers win at 6-2 over the Vancouver Canucks. The closing ceremony has wrapped up. Also tonight, the Blue Jackets beat the Maple Leafs by a score of 5-1. Quiet night in uh, the National Hockey League, just three games in all. So that, that Columbus win means that the Oilers are going to finish 28th or 29th. They cannot pass the Columbus Blue Jackets. They are now ahead of Toronto. Uh, Toronto still with a game in hand. The Red Wings beat the Philadelphia Flyers 3-0. We'll go to Jared on the open line to kick it off tonight. Hey, Jared, thanks for waiting through the break there. What's on your mind? I just want to say, I actually talked to uh, or sent a text to John Short uh, this afternoon on 1260 with the question of it, would the 1985 Oilers be able to beat today's Chicago Blackhawks? And he said they would be able to as well as the New York Islanders. And I just wanted your guys to comment on what he said this afternoon. Well, that's tough. Well, I, I think I think it's easy. They're, the Blackhawks are way younger. All those other guys are in their <laughs> 60s. There's no way they could beat there them. There we go. Uh, here, here, here's the thing that, that, that I think, Jared. The, the players today are in better condition. The game is more technical. The goaltending is better. So, I mean, does Chicago have anybody as dominant as Gretzky was in his era? Well, no, they don't. But 
the the way you look at it though, Reed, is you look at it how they work compared to the pe- teams in their own era because there's different equipment, there's different sticks, right. there's all those diff- different size. The Oilers in their era uh, were more dominant, I believe, than the Chicago Blackhawks are in the current era. So I think going by that, I think the Oilers were better. But, I mean, you can't really compare because they're different. I mean, the guys are bigger, stronger, faster now than they were in the 80s. And the guys in the 80s were bigger, stronger, faster than the guys in the 60s. So it's hard to compare it that way. So you just try to compare them amongst the, the players, the teams that they played against. And I think the Oilers were more dominant in their era than the Blackhawks are. No, all right. <laughs> that's just my opinion. That's an interesting debate. I, I, that, that's a good question, Jared. I, I don't know how you ever solve that def- definitively. Um, yeah, I guess there was. There was. I mean, in Kelly Rudy, we, talk, we were talking about this the other night. Kelly Rudy said when he played, and he was a New York Islander, and the, some of the Kings teams he was on were pretty good too. He said in the 21-team league, there were some teams he said you, you knew you should never lose to and you should never even be close with. So there was more separation maybe between between top and middle as well. But also when there was 21 teams, there was less. Um, well, when when they be, when they expanded, a lot of players that wouldn't have played in the 21 team league as well, because there there just was more jobs available when it became 30 teams compared to when there was only 21. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, with you. It's a 6-2 Oilers win here at Rexall Place. Final game in this building. We also have Roland on the line, who's going to finish the play with us as well. But first, Roland, what's on your mind today? Oh, I just like uh awesome day today. I uh, got uh, Mark Messier's autograph on an old picture of him holding up the Stanley Cup. One thing we should always remember is, like, the Bill Garens and the Doug Waits of the world and uh, – you know they 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 did beat Team Canada like they're American-born players. They beat Team Canada in the World Cup back in '96, and they were Oilers at the time. Just to reflect a little bit of team history there, but uh, just a wonderful day, and uh, look forward to moving to the, to the new barn and uh, just awesome day down in Churchill Square today. Yeah, That's you, what I got. you got to go to that. Yes, I did. It was awesome. I got to see Mark Messier face to face, and that was a rush. Yeah, it was. It was a pretty cool event to to see the guys like that. They, you know, they kept it pretty, uh, pretty fast paced. Obviously, people were there on their lunch break, but but several thousand people turned out. And, and I, for me, Roland, it was, you know, obviously I, I I was aware that a whole bunch of alumni were coming, over 150 guys. But then once yep. you actually see them, and all the guys from the different eras, and then I even thought it was cool tonight. The, you know, some some men aged, you know, late 60s, early 70s, and then right. Brian Nugent Hopkins would walk out or Zach Cassian. It was you know, it was amazing being up top and looking down and seeing all the different generational players. And there was players that they announced and they'd walk out, and I recognized the names, and I recognized playing. I didn't realize they had actually played for the Oilers. I, I was, by that point, living in the States, so I knew these players, and I played against them on other teams. Like, oh, I didn't know he played for the Oilers. But one of the most amazing things sitting up there, as you and I and Bob were on air, was the fact that every player that walked out, Bob Stoffer knew something. About, oh, yeah, that guy, he played there. Yeah. He played there. Like, they're guys that haven't played. They played in the WHA in 1968, and Bob's like, oh, yeah, he played. Yeah, a guy had 16 goals his first year, plus 19. It was unbelievable that he knew every single guy and I'm a hockey fan and I believe I know the game pretty well and know the players that have played and 
I was clueless on some names, and Bob knew something about every guy that came out there. No, Bob's uh, Stoffer's incredible when it comes to that. He's an absolute encyclopedia, and he remembers everything, absolutely everything. So that 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 was pretty cool. All right, Roland, we got good news for you. You're going okay. to finish the play, and we really want you to win because it's the last game tonight. You've already got 50 bucks to Panda Hut Express. You uh, have the chance to qualify for the grand prize draw, 1000 bucks to Integra Tire Auto Center. Love your ride with Integra Tire in Edmonton, Sherwood Park, Fort Saskatchewan, and Stony Plain. Let's see what Kellen has cooked up tonight. McDavid's open right circle, backdoor feed, wrist shot, Everly bobbled, save mark, some rebound. Oh, Score. all right, let's find out for sure. McDavid's open right circle, backdoor feed, wrist shot, Everly bobbled, save mark, some rebound, score. Hacked in from the high slot by Connor McDavid, and the Oilers extend to a 3-0 lead. Well, and that would turn out to be the game-winning goal. So Connor McDavid gets the last game winner at Rexall Place. 6-2 is your final. All right, Kellen, can we roll the uh, Todd McClellan postgame now? All right, here we go. Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Yeah, you know, we'll, I want to address the fans first because they uh, the experience that they've enjoyed throughout the years here in, in uh, Rexall, uh, whether you're in the building or even just watching at home, as we talked this morning about the rich history behind the team. So for them to, uh, to be able to enjoy an evening and express themselves uh, with more joy than disappointment was really important for, for our team and for, for the guys. Um, I don't know how many talked about it, but they they had it in the back of their mind, and um, the energy in the building was phenomenal. It was emotional. Um, I was only here for one year. It was emotional for me. So I can't imagine the season ticket holder that's been here for 40 years, how they felt. But it was, um, it was a good way for um, our guys to thank them for the support. We haven't given them enough wins, uh, but we performed tonight, and I'm happy that we did. Uh, I mean, with the way you won that game, too, maybe a little bit of a, I don't know, tentative start. You didn't have much in the way of shots, but then it just really seemed to get rolled. Yeah, we got better as the night went on. Um, we didn't have a lot of shots. We had uh, potential shooting opportunities that we didn't want to take. We were stubborn. We were we wanted to be cued a little bit early in the game. Um, later on, once we started to play and, and get pucks to, uh, to their goaltender, uh, we were able to stay in their end a little bit longer. And, Earn some power plays, so um, I think that was the difference. When you um, perform as poor as you did against Calgary, that uh, tentativeness made uh, made show up early. They're afraid to err and they want to be perfect, so they're not overly aggressive. And I thought once we got through that, we were better. You've played it, coached against them for a long time, and Patrick Maroon. Now that you've had him for for this long, what have you seen from him? Like, do you think this? Production is something that he can maintain you know, with a good offseason and then next year? Well, I, I think he needs the good offseason. I, I definitely think he needs that. Um, you know, his fresh start, he's really taken advantage of it, not just scoring-wise but fitting in with the team. We've talked about him before. Um, he's the type of player. There, there's players that play on your, your fourth line that, uh, that can't go up and always complement skilled uh, you know, not skilled, but the, the higher end skill, the Connor level skill, Patty can. So that's a nice um, uh, attribute to have to, to move him around the lineup. But um, the one thing he's done, he's proven in the playoffs when it always gets tougher and tighter that he can score. And he had seven or eight goals last year, and, and um, it's a real positive thing for us moving forward. 
Maybe just discuss two moments you've coached in this building enough with Paul Lorio singing the anthem to, to have him up on the screen yeah. like that, and then with Walter Gretzky later on in the third period. Just those two moments were pretty. They were. They were. Um, they were unique. For me, the the um, the inclusion of people from all different avenues was really special. You know, your your Northlands employee, your your. Um, Usher, your president, your fan, your season ticket holder—that was that was special. That was really unique. Um, I thought that was really well done. Then the anthem, of course, um, you know, for anybody that played when 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 he used to sing and, and having the fans be part of it was special. And um, you know, we knew there was going to be a Gretzky moment. Um, we all thought it would be Wayne, but Walter stole the show, so uh, that was perfect as well. You talked earlier, Todd, when the first time you coached San Jose, you were a little nervous behind the bench. I don't doubt you were nervous, but was it reflective at all, or is this is not until after the game? Did you find yourself maybe in a different mindset than you would other games? Um, I was anxious before the game because this was, uh, you know, this was a different game. I, I felt it coming in. This was a different night, and. Um, you know, you'd like to be on a roll coming into it, but we weren't, and, and I was anxious before. But when the game was being played, it was, it was focused on on the group. Um, you know, down the stretch, uh, right after the penalty, we had Nuge, Taylor, and Ebbs up as a line. They've been here the longest, and uh, we wanted to get them on the ice. So even after the the penalty to four and four, we played three forwards for the last ten seconds because thought it would be important that they were on and uh, the last ones to leave with uh, the skates on the ice. Todd, after the game, um, Messier and Gretzky came up to Leon, shook his hand. He seemed kind of in awe of that moment. What do you as a coach hope that maybe your young players can take from nice moments like that or, or from their conversations? With these young guys? and old. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just go to Leon. There's, um, you know, Matty Hendricks, uh, the coaching staff. When those players come around, you perk up. Um, this is as close as my experience was in Detroit when Hall of Fame players were around all the time. They, they hold you accountable by their presence. And I think there's, there's value in that. Um, I can feel it happen here when, they, when Wayne's around or, or Yari or Grant Fuhrer, whoever it is, like uh, the Sather Night, you, f you feel their presence and they hold you accountable with it. We used to have that in Detroit. Uh, when some of the legends walked in all the time, even uh, Nick Lidstrom or Pavel Datsyuk Zetterberg, they snapped to attention. Um, no, I don't know how, any better way to put it. Just hold you accountable with their presence. Thank you. That is Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. His team wins tonight 6-2 over the Canucks. Final home game in this building for the Oilers. More of you, more post-game reaction when we get back. Terry Peranich, overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. You're listening to the Terry Peranich Team Overtime Open Line. Now, live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Off the draw, turned over, wrist shot, score. Pat Maroon, a dead giveaway by Emerson Edom, and Maroon put it right where Yakupov did. Top right corner, glove side on Markstrom, 2-0 Edmonton, Maroon's 10th of the year. Patrick Maroon got two tonight. That was the first one. And as we've learned, Rob, over the last few weeks and was certainly reinforced by the post-game ceremony and the three-star reaction, Patrick Maroon has become a very popular Edmonton Oiler very quickly. Well, he's been a player that the Oilers have been desperate for for a number of years. A big, strong, physical forward that can put the puck in the net. Uh, he was very good tonight. 
He's been very good since he's come over from Anaheim. He's found a spot playing on the top line with McDavid and Eberle. Uh, he creates chances with his size. He creates havoc in the offensive zone by driving the net. And he's got pretty good hands. Now, he doesn't finish on every one of his chances, but we've seen that he finishes on a lot of them. And I think that playing with McDavid, you've got to be prepared at any time to get the puck. And if you get the puck, you're going to have to put more in the net than don't because he's going to be the catalyst of this team going forward. And, and Maroon was, was good tonight. And I think the... The fans have liked what he's done on the ice, but I think they've also liked the honesty that he's brought off the ice. He calls a spade a spade. If the team's not good, he says the team's not good. And I think that's something that the Oilers also have been missing over the last number of years. So Maroon's been a breath of fresh air for this, this organization and a guy that they can, they've got now for at least the next two years. So Maroon gets two. Yakupov, Hall, Dreisaitl, and McDavid also score 6-2. The Oilers take it. We'll go back to the phone lines. We have Terry standing by. Hey, Terry, welcome to Overtime Open Line. Hey, Six Beer Terry here. Uh, Rob Reed, uh, I'm not sure where to start, but I'll start with uh, Bob Stoffer was a classmate of mine back in the day, back at the U of A. Uh, he was covering one paper, I was covering, <laughs> covering the university paper, I was covering a little periodical called the Two Hills Times, and Bill Tuelli and L.A.N.L. treated me like I was a member of the Edmonton Journal or the Edmonton Sun or whatever. Now, I have a little uh, souvenir, about the only one I kept from my years covering the Oilers back in the glory days and I have a, a question for you I'm looking at a, uh, a mimeograph sheet actually from Wednesday December the 30th of 1981 um, Oilers uh, uh, won the game Gretzky got his 50th goal in uh, uh, in his 39th game at 1957 Gretzky got his 50th from Anderson and who got the second assist would you guess oh uh, I, I don't know Grant Fuhr. <laughs> Grant Fuhr. You got it. <laughs> That's amazing. What a memorable night and what a classy organization the others have always been. So I take my hat off to them. This has been a very, very memorable evening. Um, I phoned you guys actually a few weeks ago from Phoenix. Yeah. If you remember that. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So, uh, you're, you uh, again, congratulations. Terrific show and uh, keep it going. Right on, Terry. Good to hear from you tonight. Yeah, Grant Fewer, 14 assists uh, in, in, a, in a season. There were, there were more goalie assists in general, obviously, in that era, but uh, Fewer getting 14 was, uh, was pretty incredible. Gretzky got 50 goals in 39 games, so obviously uh, 39 goals in 50 games in this day and age. Turn it around would be, would be a pretty remarkable feat. So the Oilers do win 6-2 tonight. Who is the best goalie? you played with in terms of because uh, throughout your career Rob the goalies got better and better at handling the puck and whipping it up ice somebody stand out or maybe uh, guy actually well actually the best yeah probably the best I played with is a guy named Rick DiPietro really first pick overall he uh, I mean incredible at moving the puck snapping the puck up in practice to be able to bar down whenever he took a shot unfortunately his career in the long in long island derailed by a number of injuries over the first few years so it was tough for him but yeah rick dipietro dipietro would have been the best at uh, moving the puck seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three oilers win six two we have gene on the line hey gene thanks for holding hey you there yeah we got you gene okay you know i thought that was really really classy that whole Edmonton Symphony Orchestra and and the interviews and whatnot. And the previous caller, I want to call him up on that. Hextall was the goaltender, wasn't he? 
No, he said what goaltender got an assist on Gretzky's goal to get 50 goals in 39 games in December of 1981. So it was an Oilers goaltender who got an assist, not who he scored on, and he, he scored into an empty net, and Hexlaw wasn't in the league then. Yeah, so anyway, that's okay. We have Rocket on the line as well. Hey, Rocket, thanks for calling. Hey, how you doing, Reed, Rob? We're great. I always love it when the callers call in. You know it's a good night when uh, they're good and ripped. Yeah, <laughs> might be a bit of that. Is it, is it Friday? Feels like it should be Friday. It it almost is given given the night, don't you think? <laughs> What's on your mind tonight, man? Well, I got to tell you, I've been involved in uh, this uh, city since uh, day one, lacrosse hockey since four years old, and I was the the Dairy Queen shootout referee in '79 when they did the second period thing. I mean, like now they have like an entire event crew to do that stuff. And it was, it was a fabulous night. It was a, a great response from, from the Oilers in front of everybody. And I really enjoyed the interviews with uh, um, not just uh, the Stanley cup people, but the people that, uh, that, that, that made it happen. The background boys that, uh, you know, don't, don't always get the, uh, the accolades, so to speak. So uh, it was uh, a fabulous job by Donnie Metz again, and uh, I just thought it was uh, an excellent night and thought I uh, just wanted to know what your take was on it. Well, I, I think it, the, the whole larger thing for me, Rocket, was not just tonight, but, but the process for me of, of preparing the documentary that aired this afternoon, and that I believe that we're going to have an encore presentation Friday from 8 to 9 during the last hour of Inside Sports and, and doing interviews on Inside Sports was all, I mean, look, I, sure, did I do interviews about some of the quote-unquote obvious moments and big moments? Absolutely. But, but I found it really cool, um, you know, talking to Northland's Coliseum slash Rexall staff, a great story about Eddie Van Halen refusing to leave a bathroom until a toilet was fixed and then playing his guitar and tuning it while someone fixed the toilet. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Don Clark was on about pulling the plug on the Bay City Rollers, and then they yeah, thanked he, him for it because... Why would they he, do that to the Bay City Rollers? Because there were too many women storming the stage. And that's a problem including, when? Including Don Clark's daughter. And that is a problem why? I'm missing the point of why it's a problem when too many women storm a stage. <laughs> Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell dangerous. you guys. I'll tell you guys. We used to we used to play on that ice when there was no practices and there was no oil kings and no road runners and you know when the ice was it was available. They used to rent it out a lot, but we played there three times a week sometimes, and our practice facility was like when the boys used to carry their equipment across the bridge and go to the Agricom and play on that ice. That was our practice facility. So the Northland staff and the Oilers staff used to have a hockey team, and we played there, like, all the time. And, and just the ice, when you walked, when you skated on the ice, it was like glass. It was so amazing. And then you're looking at the banners, and then, you know, we're just you know, Joe Blow workers, and we would be on that ice all the time, you know, from, for, for years, we, uh, we just, 
played there all the time. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And then just watching these great players come and perform and see the crowd and see the decibel level rise from 20 to 120 was, you know, during the playoff years, it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, well, and and you know, there's the the proposal to to turn this into a multi-sheet facility with with six ice surfaces, and it would be used for you know you know whatever minor hockey, beer league, and everybody can enjoy yeah, it. And yeah. then it can I think still be used. Yeah, it'd be like a great was... idea. It'd be an absolute. There's two. There's a nice shortage for minor hockey in in all throughout Alberta, and I know in Edmonton, especially St. Albert and the surrounding areas, to be able to have six arenas. Or six ice surfaces in here, and then allow people to come in and and play in the in the, the building that Gretzky made, and, and where the, all the Stanley Cups were won. I think it would be a great great opportunity. So I, I hope that that does go through, uh, and that they eventually get that done because I think it is it'd be a, a great way of keeping this building and the memories alive and allowing the the kids to come and play here. Rocket, good to hear from you. The Oilers do get it done tonight, 6-2 over the Canucks. They got three goals in the second, three goals in the third. Still ahead, you will hear from Taylor Hall. Terry Pranich, overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. Live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, this is the Terry Pranich team overtime open line. On Oilers Radio, 6.30 chat. Oh, here he's coming. Two goals, 18 seconds apart for the Oilers, putting it away. They would go on to win 6-2. Louis DeBrusque was in the broadcast booth with Jack and Bob. At that time, I don't know if Louis ever got two in 18 seconds. Well, in junior, he was a pretty pretty good scorer, but he was the magic touch for the Oilers there. I was going to say, I'm not sure Louis had two in 18 games, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he did. He was up there being interviewed at that time and was a little bit good luck. So, uh, And Louis is one of the, the many players that were interviewed on the ice tonight. Uh, they, they went, and it's funny, they, they didn't just touch the, the ones that everyone expected. They went and had a lot of other players and got to hear stories from guys from way back. So uh, a very nice job by Don Metz and the Edmonton Oilers and uh, celebrating the end of an era here at Rexall. I've been through one before. I did it at Civic Arena in Pittsburgh. It was mm-hmm. kind of cool. They brought us all back. And right now we are sitting down in our little glass hut watching the hundreds and hundreds of people that are coming into the downstairs bar area where they're having a big party that uh, will continue the celebration of, uh, of Rexall. All right, let's hear from Taylor Hall, who had three points tonight. Okay. Oh, here he's coming. Wait for Ryan, wait for Ryan. Taylor, obviously that's the way you guys want to go out on home ice. Yeah, for sure. Um, really good effort from uh, from all fronts. Uh, some really good goaltending. Some uh, special teams that had been letting us down quite a bit lately uh, was there for us tonight. Huge. So um, just a great way to finish it off here. Uh, it was a fun night to start off with. Just uh, really good electricity in the building, and we finished off right. How bad did you guys want to make sure that it was one of your guys who got that last goal? Yeah, I mean, you're not really thinking about that during the game, but certainly after it's nice. Um, you know, you you want to have a nice game to finish it off, whether it's personally or, or as a team. So um, I think, just like I said, on all fronts, um, really fun night for us, for the fans, and for everyone that was here. Was it a bit of a relief, Taylor, after what happened Saturday? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, that was a huge letdown for our team, and 
We had a couple days to stew on it, which is almost worse. Uh, we came out tonight right off the bat. I thought, you know, we weren't the greatest, but uh, for the most part tonight we held strong and uh, put forth a, a good effort. Everyone was working hard tonight, uh, and that's what was missing the other night. It was a little bit of a slow start in the first there, but you guys were really able to ramp it up as the game went along. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, we uh, not every start's going to be perfect, but as long as you bend and don't break, um, you know, make sure you stay in the game, make sure it's tied. I mean, then you're going to get your your footing. Uh, I think early on it was just about not shooting the puck. Um, we simplified it as the game went on, and, and sure enough, we got some goals. Read that, Sibber Hall. Thank you, Brendan Ulrich. Work in the Oilers' dressing room tonight. The final time we will have any post game from the dressing room here at Rexall Place. Uh, Taylor Hall with a Nifty goal on Markstrom, I, I thought, and the Maroon goal before that, Rob, I thought that was actually a pass where Everly and Maroon slightly got their wires crossed, and Maroon just said, well, I'm just going to chip it at the net, and he got it to go in. I I, I think Everly was making a pass. Well, he was making yes, a pass. Yes, he was but making a pass, but I, I think uh, Maroon just on his own decided, you know what, I think it'd be better if I just tipped this. But wasn't he I, – I, I thought he backed away maybe when Everly thought he was going to be – Stationary, and he wasn't because because I thought the pass wound up a little far away from him. Um, but I, I think he short armed himself, okay, so that he could chip it, and it was a nice play, smart play by by Maroon. And it's funny, it, you see a number of chances that Maroon's had over the last little while that he hasn't capitalized on, yet he had the 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 smarts right there. Said, okay, I'm not, I'm at a bad angle. If I stop the puck and and try to shoot that way, the goalie's gonna have time to set up, and I'm gonna have nothing to shoot at instead. I'm going to tip it, and he caught him by surprise. And it, it was a very smart play. It's one of those redirections that we've seen the Sedins use so often when they're in the middle of the, the ice on the power play. So smart play. That line was very good tonight. Uh, I mean, in generally, the, most of the others up front, I mean, they, they played well tonight. They created a number of chances. And tonight, finally, they got uh, a little bit of puck luck as things were going through uh, Markstrom and not just uh, by him. So Markstrom was not good. Talbot was, and the Oilers win 6-2. This has been a special place for 42 years. It has seen Stanley Cup champions. It has seen teams grow together. It has seen phenomenal moments, shocking upsets. It has seen the Stanley Cup presented four times at center ice each time to the Edmonton Oilers. It has now seen its final NHL regular season game. It is Rexall Place. The Oilers win it 6-2. Rob, this is our final view here through this glass after game. Uh, it's been a fun three years doing this with you. I, I hope we're together to do it uh, next year in, in Rogers' place. So do I. It has been a lot of fun. I'm going to miss this place, but I do look forward to, to being in the next, uh, the new arena. It's going to be so much fun. And uh, all the memories that Rexel has, have, has had over the number of years, we get to start making some new ones next year at Rogers. Terry Peranich, overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. The executive producer of Oilers Hockey on 630 Chet is Sid Smith. The studio producer tonight, Kellen Kennedy. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. From Rexall Place, for the final time, Oilers win. Have a great night. Edmonton Oilers have forged a one nothing lead. Yakupov's eighth of the year, and he just grabbed the puck. Winner of four Stanley Cups, number 99, Wayne Gretzky.
The greatest thing about hockey is the people you meet. My life, uh, the people I've met, my family, my wife, my kids, the friendships I have, our memories. It's nothing like it. It's the greatest game in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, we're closed. Edmonton 6.